If you like your theology hot, caffeinated, and stimulating, pour yourself a second cup of your favorite beverage and sit down with me, Keith Giles, as we explore topics like hell, the second coming, biblical inerrancy, women in the Bible, deconstruction, penal substitution, and so much more in the brand new book, Second Cup with Keith. Now, it's inspired by my podcast of the same name, Second Cup with Keith, but in the book, we'll go even deeper into these topics and prepare to be inspired, surprised, and challenged on nearly every page as we tip every sacred cow and leave no theological stones unturned. Second Cup with Keith, Volume 1, the brand new book from Choir Publishing and Keith Giles, available now on Amazon. Hey, heathens, you're listening to the Deadly Faith Podcast, where religion and crime collide. I'm Lacey. And I'm Lola. And this shit is hairy. The mind that was in Jesus, that mind is in me. Without me, life has no meaning. Why would God tell you what I'm thinking and tell you what I've said to my wife or my husband when you're not around? It's because I'm the pastor of the church and I need to know. This is the only place where you can see truth. Harry? <laughs> what? <laughs> My voice broke a little bit. <laughs> so like right before we started recording, I started laughing to myself. And I don't know if you caught that, but that's because in that moment, I decided that I was going to use the word hairy. <laughs> okay. Episode. You're not going to tell me what you mean by that? I'm not going to explain why. Nope. You'll get it as as the kids go outside. You'll get it. <laughs> Does it have to do with cosmetology? Perhaps? No. Hairdressing? Well, no. Hair. Hairy. Okay. It has, hair. okay. it has hair in it. So yeah. Say more. Say more. Say the Say name more. for me. Let's just jump right in to this case because I, I this there's a lot going on here. And, okay. You know, let's just let's just jump in. So today I'm telling you the case of um the killer, Danny Lowe Stevo. We're going out of the US today. We are gonna be in Italy and we're also gonna be in the UK for a little bit. So Hold on to your butts. Yeah, hold on to your butts. We're going out of the country. All right. So let me just jump right in. Okay. I don't have a passport, but do it. That's okay. We'll we'll make it legal (laughs) for this one time and one time only. (laughs) (laughs) On Sunday, September 12th, 1993, in Patanza, a town in Italy. Real quick. I am not Italian. Okay. So I am pronouncing all of these to the best of my ability. I have Googled all of them. If I get them wrong, I am sorry. I have tried. Okay. Don't at me. All okay. I's make an E noise. All O's make an O. That's all I know. I'm just going to say I'm how I think they are. So please Who's forgive that? me. <laughs> please continue. Sunday, September 12th, 1993 in Potenza, a town in Italy. Antonio and Philomena Claps were at their new country home. I think they had just bought this home recently as like they're kind of retiring. A lot of their kids were getting older. And so this was like, a little bit of an adventure for them. So they were out there at this home doing some work, but decided to like have a family day. So they were having, preparing the lunch and waiting for all of their children to come home and spend the day with them. Now together, they have three children. They have Gildo, which is the oldest, Luciano, who is the middle child, and then Elisa, who is the youngest. No, it's not Elisa. It's Elite. Hold on. Give me a second. Spell it. It's E-L-I-S-A. But I heard, oh, I can't call her Elisa, but it is Elisa. Eli- I'm going to call her Elisa. Elisa because it's just so much easier. Elisa. But there's a different way you pronounce it in Italian. Okay. And I'm sorry. Okay. Please forgive me. We're super country girls. I don't know. I was born in Texas. Give me a break. Mm-hmm. 
So at this time, Elisa was 16 and she had ambitions of being a doctor in Africa. She was said to be a very tender person, so much so that one day she found a hurt butterfly who couldn't fly. And so she spent hours... Stop. She spent hours trying to help this cute little butterfly try to fly. Oh, it's like Kevin on the office with the turtle. (laughs) With the turtle shell. (laughs) Well, she didn't hurt the butterfly, but... No, she did not hurt the butterfly, but she she wanted to help it. So um, Elisa also had thick black hair, a warm smile, and she was loved by many. She was very popular and in school and out of school. So she was popular in both. And she even sang in the choir at her church. Her family was Catholic and they were all very, very involved with their local Catholic church. That's now, very Italian. I love it. Very, very Italian. So the night prior on Saturday, September 11th, Elisa actually stayed over at her older brother's house, Gildo. But before going to their family's country home to have lunch, Elisa had made plans to go to mass with her friend, Elaine. I'm sorry. I'm trying with these names. (laughs) I'm going to say Elaine. I'm pretty sure that's what it is. Okay. Okay. So that day, Elisa woke up. She wore blue trousers and a white knitted sweater that was actually handmade by her own mother. I love the craft. The craft. It was so cute. And uh, remember that sweater. Okay. Just remember that sweater. Okay. So at 11 a.m., Elaine picked her up and off to church they went. They told Gilda that they would be back soon, but after one hour passed and they still hadn't returned, he started to get a little worried. Elisa was known to be very punctual, so her not returning in a reasonable time started to send up a red flag for him. Not too long after he starts worrying, Elaine actually arrived back at his home, but she was by herself. Now, she told him that her and Elisa had gotten separated at the church, but that she had assumed that Elisa had just gone back home and she was expecting her to be there. So when she realized that Elisa was not at Jildo's home, she started to get worried and she said, I'll go back and look for her. So she left, went back to like the church or the, yeah, the church and the town square and stuff trying to find her. After 30 minutes, Jilda was like, nope, I'm too worried. And he leaves as well, trying to find her. Now he walks around the village looking, but he's not finding her anywhere. After a little bit, he runs into Elaine. Panic. Uh, Yeah, thousand percent panic. So after a little bit, he runs into Elaine and he tells her, go back home to the house and start calling all of your friends and asking if they've seen her. Now by 2 p.m., Jildo, yeah. How old is she again, Elisa? She's 16. Okay. Elisa, at this time, she's 16. And I think Jildo was like early 20s. Okay. So he was, him and I think Luciano were not living at home at the time. I think Elisa was the baby. She was the, you know, the only one living at home with family. But this night she stayed with her brother, Jildo, in town. Okay. At his home. So yeah. Now, by 2 p.m., Jildo and Elisa had not arrived at their parents' country home for lunch. Afraid something might have happened, they decide, okay, we're packing up. We're just going to go back to town and figure out what's going on. Now, when they arrived, they found that Elisa had been missing for a few hours and nobody had seen her. Jildo knew that there must be more to the story than what Elaine, the, the friend, is telling him. So he presses her for more details. She finally breaks and tells him that they weren't really going to mass. It was actually just a cover so that Elisa could meet with a 24-year-old man named Danilo Recibo. Ah, no! <laughs> Teenage girl, stop. Well, okay, it's it's not even let me let me explain because it's even sadder. Okay. So 
At first, Elisa was very reluctant about meeting with Danny Lowe because she knew that he really liked her and he was kind of incessant about it, but she didn't like him. She honestly thought that he was a little odd. He was a little bit of a weird guy. And so she was not into him at all, but she felt bad for him. So when he called her and said, I want to meet with you, I have a gift because she had just finished some exams at school. And so he wanted to give her this gift. She was like, okay, fine. I'll meet with you to get the gift because she felt really bad. And she was just trying, she was that like trying to let you down softly and like be nice and kind. Now, the reason that she lied to her brothers about it or to Jildo about it is because she knew that her brother was not a fan of Danny Lowe. He was very suspicious. Yeah, he was very suspicious about Danny Lowe's intentions with his 16-year-old sister, and rightfully so. Good brother, yeah. Let's talk a little bit about Danny Lowe and his connection to their family. So Danny Lowe Restivo was from a very prominent family within the community. His father was the chief librarian. Don't ask me what that is. All I know is that it's a very prominent position that holds a lot of power, and basically everybody in the area... You could like say Danny Lowe's father's name and they would know exactly who you're talking about. So like Uh, a very prestigious man of power within the community. Heard that. In Italy. Okay. But Danny Lowe was considered to be a loner amongst people his age and even like within the community. He was just kind of seen as an oddball. I think because of his lack of people skills and being a loner and being teased, he had a huge desire to fit in amongst his peers. And so his way of trying to fit in is that he would brag about being able to get any girl to sleep with him just by offering her a special type of cigarette. Uh, and what, <laughs> what type would this be? I have no idea. Have you lost your whole mind? Because... Your, yes, her brother's yes. gonna help you find it, boy. He has a he has yes, he has no mind. He yes. You know what? You know what cigarette I bet it is? Hmm. I know that this is American, it's all I can think of, but like Paul Mall, like an <laughs> old lady cigarette. <laughs> Which by the way, the only time I ever smoked was a Paul Mall. Hey, uh I'm gonna yeah. like I know what you're talking about, but I really don't because I've never smoked. <laughs> It's um, it's not nothing to write home about. I tell you that. Okay, so he was a little weird. He tried to fit in. Said he could get chicks just by offering a specific cigarette because we all know that works. <laughs> now, how Elisa knew Danny Lowe was that he was friends with Luciano, the middle child of the Claps family. Now, I don't think that they were necessarily good friends. I think they were somewhere in between, like acquaintances and friends. Not not really, you know, knew, a little, knew him a little bit more than an acquaintance, but wasn't really a good friend of his. Gotcha. So um, that's how Lisa ended up meeting Danny Lowe. So on top of the reason of her like not wanting to tell Jildo, um, yes, he, he was, you know, not sure about Danny Lowe's intentions with Elisa. But on top of that, Elisa was very uncomfortable around Danny Lowe because he would do things that were just kind of like mm, pretty stalkerish. So for example, one time when her and her brothers were in town, all of a sudden, Danny Lowe just like pops up out of nowhere. And it was so awkward that she said it felt, it felt like he had actually like followed them there. And 
ran into them on purpose. Like it was very evident to everyone that he was somewhat infatuated with Elisa and she was highly uncomfortable with it. And I can't, I can't even fucking imagine how she's feeling because she's 16 and this guy is 24. That is a huge age gap at that time. Even even now, I think even now, that's too much. Yeah, no, I, I meant I meant at that time, as in at that age, like that those gaps at that age, like yeah, okay, eight years isn't that big of a deal if somebody's twenty eight and the other person's thirty four. You know, there it's a different time in your life. But when you're sixteen that's and twenty four, that's just a vastly different age range. When I was this is the weirdest fucking thing. But when I was uh, 15, going on 16, mm-hmm. uh, there was a 25-year-old <laughs> that liked me. No, 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 and, no. And, and, and yeah, and I liked them too. He was in a Christian band. Come he on, the yeah. guitar. And I was like, oh my God, you're amazing. It's never the child's fault for liking <sighs> the adult. It is never their fault for the crush. Yes, at agreed. All. But I am so proud of myself because I was like so infatuated with like just the thought of having a boyfriend and yeah. everything. But after a little bit of like somewhat being or being with him, we weren't ever like official and we never did anything but kiss. But it was, and he was, I'm sorry if he ever listens to this. He, he was not a good kisser at that time. I'm so sorry, but <laughs> it's the truth. Anyway, spill it. Let it stain. I love it. Anyway, I was like, I think I like right around the time I turned 16, I thought like I have to wait two more years to even be with him Ah, until I turn 18. Too long a wait. And then I was like, and then he's going to be almost 30. And I was like, (gasps) oh, that's weird. And like, he should be farther along in his life than where he's at at 25. And I was like, "Mm, I am proud of child you. I need somebody better. And I I like got out of it. I was so proud of myself. I was like the one time I made a really smart decision. (sighs) So then I just left and joined the cult. (laughs) That's, you know, (laughs) hard left turn there. Okay. I did. I did. Yeah. Anyways. Okay. Where was I? Felt uncomfortable around Danny Lowe. And he just like would pop up. So he's a little bit of a, a little bit of a stalker. So the two had arranged that day to meet at 1130 at the church, just as mass was ending. Elaine, the friend that went with her, she actually waited outside um, where she ran into one of their friends, Angelica, and they got to talking. Angelica. Both girls. And no, I think it's Angelica. Is it? I'm just going to say Angelica because I'm an American and I'm stupid. Okay. (laughs) I I love to say that name, Angelica, even if I'm wrong. I I just love how it sounds. You know what? It probably is Angelica because that sounds way more pretty and everything in Italian sounds prettier. So I'm pretty sure they do pronounce it Angelica, but you know, that's the only time she gets brought up. So it doesn't really matter. Be bougie. Who cares? Yeah. Both girls end up seeing Elisa go into the church, but they never see her leave. Okay. Now, Gildo knows at this point that Danny Lowe was the last person to see Elisa. So he called their family home to try and get some answers. Danny Lowe tells him that they did meet, but it was only for like 15 minutes. That's as long as it lasted. And that they just sat by the altar and talked. He then said that Elisa had told him that she was upset because there was a man in town that had harassed her that very same day. Uh, but after the, they finished talking for those 15 minutes, she got up and left and Danny Lowe stayed at the church to pray. And that was the last he saw of her. Uh, okay, sure. I'm believing that. Like, 
about this rocks. is giving like de- deacon that co- that like flirts with the the worship ha- <laughs> the worship leader uh feels bad and stays yeah. to pray like it's giving uh-huh. those vibes okay it's giving that a, a thousand percent so as he's on the phone with Jildo, Danilo's father gets on the phone and says, Danilo knows nothing and then abruptly hangs up the phone. I'm not suspicious. Suspicious. <laughs> Everything's yeah, fine. Right. <laughs> Hours pass and still there's no sign of Elisa. So Luciano, the other brother, went in person to Danilo's house to question him. Like the brothers are like, fuck you. We're going to find out what the hell's going on. I love Italian confrontation. Can we just... <laughs> oh, and when I tell you, I love this family. Like I, oh, you don't I fuck with Italians, and if that is a prejudice that I have, I'm gonna keep it because of my mad respect for the Italians and their culture. <laughs> mad right? respect. I, I, I'm yeah. okay with that one. So he shows up at Daniela's house, and he says that Daniela looks very nervous. Um, he was sweaty and even stuttered over his answers. Ew. He even noticed that Daniela. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, he even noticed that Danny Lowe had a huge cut on the back of his left hand. He asked him about it, and Danny Lowe said that he tripped over some stuff at a building site and cut his hand, and that the cut was so bad, it ended up with him having to go to the hospital. Okay, so he told Luciano that he had no idea where Elisa was after she'd left the church. So with no answers and no idea what to do next, Luciano left and returned home. Still... They were not done, though. A few hours later, Luciano and his brother Gildo go back because they're like, you were the last one to <laughs> see not her. stupid. Fucking tell us what happened. Yeah, seriously. So they go back. But by the time they got back, his parents said that, sorry, Danilo's gone. He left and went to school a few hours away to take his entrance exams for dental school. The teeth have taken the priority. Take the, the entrance exams okay. the next day. Okay. Mm-hmm. So... With all their options and efforts exhausted to try and find Elisa, they are left with no other option but to go to the police and report her her as missing. Now, remember, this is 1993, so like many other missing teen cases, this one was vastly ignored by law enforcement. They said that she was most likely out with friends and that she probably just got mad at the family and she needed time to cool off, but she'd return home. I'm so sick of this narrative. She'll, just, she'll be like, home. I don't care what country you're in. Why is this the go-to with when it comes to teenagers? When I tell you that is like the tip of the iceberg of how mad you're going to get. I don't like this. I'm not Dang exaggerating. <laughs> Proceed. Proceed no. to the root. <laughs> the the family is like, uh, no, that's not like her. She had no intentions of running away. She, life was good. Life was happy. She's a great kid making good grades. Like, no, that is not Elisa. But the police were like, nope, that's not it. So the family left. Uh, or uh, No, the family actually told them, no, you need to go interview Danny Lowe because he was the last one to see Advocate. her. Yes. But they were like, no, we're not going to go film. You're, she'll be home. Before you know it, just to go home. And they didn't do anything that entire day on Sunday. So after that, they are frustrated and decide to take matters into their own hands. And Jildo leaves the police station and decides, I'm going to go to the church and I'm going to search the church. He gets there, it's locked, but he looks around. He ends up finding somebody and they actually have keys and they let him in. Now think Catholic, very big, you know, ginormous cathedral type church, you know, so they're very, very, very big buildings. Been around for hundreds of years. So he had a lot of places he could look. 
He looked everywhere and could not find her. But he did find a door that was like beside the altar and it would allow access to like the upper levels of the church. And that door was locked. And so he asked the guy for the keys and the guy was like, I'm sorry, the pa- the pastor, the priest, he's the only one who has keys to that. His, it's Father Don, Don Manico, I think Ooh. is how you say it. Everyone called him Father Don Mimi is what he was called. That's a lot easier that. for my American ass to say. So we're going to call him <sighs> Father Don Mimi from here on out. Now, um, he had left after mass that day to go um, for a spa retreat for a few days. Yummy. So he was not going to be back self-care. with the key. So sorry. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> um, that's okay. You're not going to like him for a long <sighs> I want so badly to root for everyone. <laughs> and so quickly it goes off the rails. Yeah, these are all, that's okay. Just root for the Claps family. They're Always. wonderful. Um, and they, they fought, they fought. So after Gildo left the church, him and his friends stayed up all night searching the streets for Elisa. Her parents, Antonio and Filomeno, stayed by the phone praying she would call, but the phone rang many times, but it was usually like the news or friends trying to ask for updates or other family members asking for updates, but it was never Elisa. They actually got a couple phone calls uh, where the person on the other end was just silent. Creepy. Thanks, I hate it. Yeah, creepy as fuck. And those calls don't end. Those continue uh. on. Yeah. The next day on Monday, September 13th, 1993, the police finally take the case serious. They're like, oh, okay. <laughs> Maybe she is missing. <laughs> wow. Thanks, guys. For my tax now, dollars pay for. Even though they were like, okay, we'll take it seriously. They still were under the belief that like, she'll show up. She's out with her doing her own thing, but like, she'll show up. I'm like, you son of a bitches. Now, more friends and family took to the streets asking anyone and everyone if they had seen her. They checked hospitals, shops, and even printed missing poster flyers and posted them all across Potanza and the surrounding areas. <sighs> do you want to know what the police said? Not really, but do you want to know? I guess so. <laughs> I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to make you mad, okay? They said that all of the family's efforts to try to find Elisa was actually making themselves look very suspicious because it looked as if they were trying to get everybody to look everywhere but at themselves. Um, The brain right. cells? Are they sharing one? <laughs> I smooth brain boys. It's giving smooth brain boys for me. And you know these are fucking men. Ah, d- 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 uh. <laughs> I literally, I literally had in my notes in all capital letters. I fucking roll. <laughs> like I can't with these people. Uh. I'm fine. I'm doing fine over here. I know. I got a seatbelt in now. Okay. (laughs) Now, her case did get a decent amount of media attention. And with this, they got a lot of tips of sightings of who they thought was Elisa, but none of them panned out. Later on that Monday, Danny Lowe returned from taking his exams and police wanted to question him. Danny Lowe was actually supposed to take the bus home from the town where he took the exams. But while he was at the bus station, his father and their lawyer showed up and pulled him off the bus and drove him home themselves. And on this car ride, the lawyer's like, Danny Lowe, my boy, tell me what happened. Let's let's get our story straight. I thought you were about to say, Danny boy, give me the facts, Danny boy. <laughs> Danny boy, no. They said, tell us your 
spin us your tail so we can have your back and get you out of this hot mess because you're making your father look really bad. Did they actually say that? No. Well, they could have. I'm just, that's allegedly for educational purposes only. Don't sue me. Okay. Anyways. <laughs> now, when they got back to town, they drove Danny Lowe straight to the police station to be questioned. He tells the police that Elisa said she was unhappy at home and that she planned on running away to Naples. That was her plan. Uh, He says that he tried to talk her out of it, but she was very adamant. Um, Interestingly enough, he never mentioned uh, the present that he had planned to give her. Instead, he said that the reason for the meeting was that he wanted to get her advice about one of her friends that he was very interested in. Uh, Mm -hmm. Uh, That sounds like a bag of shit. You would think think Uh, that over time... The excuses would be more creative in true crime, mm-hmm. but it's all oh, just the same. Wait. So if you hear one of these <sighs> like seven phrases that you'll come across in true crime, red flag, red flag, red like I mean, I, okay, uh, ugh. just wait. So after like it, soaked in blood. Now, remember, he has that cut on his hand and he tells the police, you know, yes, after he had left, he said that he walked through a construction site and that this is where he fell and got the cut on his hand. When he got home, he should showed it to his sister and she was like, that's bad. You need to go to the hospital. So around 1 p.m. that day, he went to the hospital and they cleaned it up and he got one stitch. What? One stitch. <laughs> a very bad cut. One stitch. Is this for an alibi? The one stitch? I'm I'm not sure. You know what? We should call that the husband stitch. That's what we should call that. Yeah. Gross. Okay with that. Now, uh, they also didn't believe that Elisa wanted to run away. So the police right now, they're like, all right, you're spinning some lies here, which thankfully, okay, at least you had that many brain cells in your brain to at least see that he is fucking lying. So, um, and one of the reasons was like, there was no evidence that she wanted to run away. And that was literally opposite of everything her friends and family were saying. So they asked him to take him, uh, take them to the construction site and show them where he fell and like reenact it. I think they were just trying to get him to maybe like trip up yeah. or catch him in more lies. So they take him to this construction site and he shows them this escalator that was under construction. And he explains that he fell down this escalator and the cops were like what the fuck are you saying you fell down an escalator that's under construction like a shaft got like a- escalator i'm sorry elevator or escalator escalator okay okay escalator like the stairs that move that's not moving Mm-mm. it's under construction i think there were like parts missing and he fell okay. down it so like think, yeah, okay. like falling down stairs that are under construction. Yeah, yeah. And he only got a cut that required one stitch. What, from is he not have bruises? Down. The cops were like, okay, this is not matching your story because if you fell down this, like you say, like you're saying that you do, you would have had way more injuries. And you'd be you sore. You wouldn't be walking right. <laughs> yeah, they were like, well, how do you not have a head injury the way he had said he was uh-huh. he fell? And so they were like, mm. but they're not kind of letting on that they're suspicious. They're trying to just, I think, make him feel like they're trying to rule him out as a suspect, basically. Ah. Uh, so they ask him, okay, can we have the clothes that you were wearing that day just so that we can match it to the story that 
you know, you falling down the escalator, right? But in reality, they're wanting the clothes because they're pretty sure that the, there might be blood or other evidence or they'll be able to catch him in the lie that he didn't really fall down the escalator. Gotcha. Now, at this construction site, wasn't just him. His parents were there as well. And so the parents and him agree that they'll give the cops his clothes from that night and they're all getting back into their vehicles to go home and grab those clothes and the cops are going to follow them. And as everybody's getting into their vehicles, the cops hear the mom say, but Danny Lowe's clothes have been washed and are out on the balcony. <gasps> so mom when they get away. back to the house, <laughs> mm-hmm, when they get back to the house, they hand the police some clothes and the cops go, can we have the clothes on the balcony? And then all of a sudden, they're like, uh, we need a search warrant. Oh! <laughs> like, okay. I mean, red flag, red flag, red flag. Okay, this is like almost verbatim, like Paul and Ridden Flores. Uh-huh. It's just, it's giving, it's giving the Christmas Giving, giving them. Mm-hmm. The parents cover up, I'm sorry, would you cover up a crime for your children, Lacey, as a mother? <laughs> I would turn them in because I can't keep in a secret. I couldn't do that. Like, I I would love my child through the crime. I, I yeah. think that I would, yeah. you know, I think I would be able to like stand by them and, and everything, but I would advocate for them to do the right thing. And I have seen parents do that in those moments of like, yeah, you just yeah. need to confess, you need to give your statement, like... You need to do what's right. You need to face your consequences. And in this case, I don't think it was more like you need to face your consequences or you need to, um, we need to cover up and protect you. I think it was like, you're making your father look bad. And so we have to cover up your shit so that it doesn't affect us. I think they were doing all of this to be selfish. I was going to say, like the reputation apparently uh-huh. is with him being like a well-known member of the community, librarian, whatever. Chief librarian. Whatever that means. Yeah. Yeah. So they're like, no, we need a search warrant. And so the cops are like, okay. So they wait at the house while they call in and try to get a search warrant. But as they're waiting, they get a call from the station and they're being told to come back and no search warrant was ever given. None. Never. (sighs) Thanks. It is believed that Danny Lowe's father did pay off some political, you know, officials and police so that the search warrant would be blocked. The Restivo family, like I said, was very well-known and prominent family in the community. So with their finances and their prominence, they were able to basically just grease some palms to try to get him out of this. Gross. Greasy. Due to the suspicion of police corruption and cover-up, the investigation and search for Elisa didn't go really anywhere after that, mm-hmm. at least when it comes to the police. The Claps family, on the other hand, they continued looking for Elisa and followed any and every lead and tip that came in. Many of the times that like they got these leads, they would send them all over the country, even to other countries. And they spent so much time and money and energy and resources into following these leads. And every time it came up with nothing, they were just heartbroken at every single one yeah. of these. And, and never being able to find her. Now, they tried to go and search the church, but Pastor Don Mimi wouldn't allow it. He said no. Why? Mm-hmm. It's a church cover-up. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm jumping the gun. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> I mean, if you couldn't figure that out. I was wondering when uh, religion would come into this. I was like, 
Is it just the church building? <laughs> oh, fuck it. Fucking Pastor Don Beebe. If I... Mm, don't rest in peace. He's dead now. And I'm sorry. I just... I can't. I can't. He wouldn't allow it. Rest in pieces of shit. Exactly. And smother yourself in it. So, mm-hmm. Philomena. 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 I'm trying, guys. I'm really trying. Philomena. Elisa's mom, she put boxes at all the local churches um, where people could give anonymous tips. But guess who did not allow one of these boxes in their church? Don Mimi or whatever he is. (laughs) Pastor Don Mimi? Nope. He threw out the box that was placed at his church. And after a few years of Elisa's disappearance, all the local churches would ring their bells on the anniversary day from the day she disappeared. Oh. The only church that refused to join in on it, Pastor Don Mimi's. Donnie and Danny been doing some shit. They, mm-hmm. He even, uh, Don Mimi tried to say that uh, he didn't even know Danny Lowe. He, he didn't even know who he was. So like, how could he be connected to this? But then a picture services from Danny Lowe's 18th birthday. And guess who's standing right fucking beside him? Pastor Don Mimi, motherfucker. Ain't that just the yes. way. Ugh. There's a picture, mm. which we will put that on our Instagram and I'll let you guys see it. But yep, he's just standing right there. Like, I don't know him. I don't see him. Who are you talking about? Mm. Who what? Who is she? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. There was even a private detective that worked with the Claps family pro bono for many years trying to find her. Oh. Um, after nine years of fruitlessly searching for Elisa, the family and many in the community felt like they would never find out what happened to her and mm-hmm. never be able to recover her body because there was many who were like, she's got to be dead at this point. There were some that like suspected her to be in some kind of trafficking, but that was very few that thought that. Now, this all starts to change on November 12th, 2002. So that afternoon, Uh, um, I'm going to give a trigger warning right now. This gets a little graphic. And it's just really sad. Okay, so just trigger warning. Um, That afternoon in Bournemouth in the UK, 11-year-old Caitlin and 14-year-old Terry came home from school. But when they walked through the door, they noticed that things seemed a bit off. For one, it was really quiet. Her mom was usually there yelling out hi, or you could at least like hear her sewing machine going off in the background because she was a work-from-home mom who was a seamstress. Ooh. They didn't hear anything. So they're looking around the house trying to find her, and 11-year-old Caitlin opened the bathroom door and screamed. Her 14-year-old brother, Terry, came running and saw the nightmare laying before them. Their mother, Heather Barnett, was laying in the bathroom, not only dead, but mutilated, and her blood sprayed everywhere. Oh, no. (sighs) Terry rushed to the phone and called the police before taking his sister outside to wait. As they were standing outside, frantically waiting for the police to arrive, their neighbors across the street were arriving home and saw the kids in distress. So they went over and like tried to comfort them and even took them into their home to wait for police there. Now, when the police arrived, they found a gruesome scene. Heather was laying in the bathroom with her pants pulled down just just enough to reveal her private areas and her body had been severely mutilated. She was covered in cuts all over her body. Her bra had been cut right between the cups and her breast had been cut off and were laid next to her body. Oh, 
I, her children, her children saw this. Her children oh. found her in that. I, oh, I can't. I can't even imagine the trauma that they are. I can't. Still I don't. I won't. I just to this day. Yeah. Now, as they look closer around Heather's body, they found hair in both of her hands, and it was freshly like cut hair. It wasn't like hair that had been pulled out. It was like chunks of cut off hair. Is that hers? So the one in her right hand was her own hair. They later tested and found out. The one in her left hand was not her hair. And they did not know whose it was. Yeah. Good girl, like I said, This case gets hairy. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> it wasn't... It it is a pun in so many ways. It is a pun in so many ways. So after the police started their investigation, they quickly found that Heather had left the house that morning to take the kids to school and arrived back home at about 9 a.m. Calls that came into the home but were unanswered um, came in around 10.15. So they think that she was murdered just shortly after arriving back home. Wow. Now, they noticed that there was no forced entry, so this led them to believe that maybe she actually knew her killer. Uh, within the home, Heather's sewing machine uh, room was a mess and the investigation revealed that the attack had started in the sewing room where she was struck in the head, which fractured her skull and killed her almost instantly. Um, they said she was still alive, but like not, not really, basically. Like she was not aware. like a, do you think she was aware? I don't, the, with how bad her fractures, I don't think she was aware, but I think her heart was still pumping. And there was still blood. Okay. I think she probably wasn't conscious if she or she still had blood pumping. I'm relieved to know that she probably wasn't aware of the things happening to her. <sighs> yeah. Because after this, her body gets dragged through the <sighs> house into the bathroom. And that's where she was cut and mutilated and her boobs were cut off. And she I think he probably so hit her better. again and she officially died. So, okay. Oh, very bad. Now, Rest in peace. they also found um, within the home very bloody footprints that just suddenly stopped at a chair in the living room. And these bloody footprints never went out of the home. So they are like, the killer came prepared and brought a whole brought new set of shoes. shoes. Exactly. So he sat on this chair, changed his shoes, and then walked out. So they were like, this oh was God. beyond planned. Yeah. Now... Um, it's, they also think he had a change of clothes as well, not just shoes, because this is a very bloody murder. And it's also yeah. between nine and 10 in the morning, you're not going to be able to be covered in blood walking outside. Nobody fucking spot you. So like, if he changed his shoes. Unless you're Creed Bratton, then that's fine. I have no idea who that is, but I'm going to take your word for it. The office. Oh my God. I know you, you give office references and I'm like, yes, queen. And I have no idea. Oh, only Matt <laughs> Stefano. Only he will get these references from anyone in our group, I think. Everybody, everyone tells me to watch it and I will, I will. I just need to, just I'll do skip it. the first season, honestly. Okay, I will start with season two. I will do that for just for you because I love you that much, Lola. Yay. How did that? <laughs> I already got her on the smut books. Now now I'm oh, going to get her right. on the office. I know, I know. I'm almost on, I'm almost done with the first one, so I'm really excited. Yeah. Okay, okay. Back to the story, back to the story. Okay. So they're assuming not just a change of shoes and also a change of clothes. Now, uh, beside that chair was also a hand towel that was green and it had blood on it. So 
From the beginning of the investigation, um, the investigators believe that this towel was not in the home prior to the murder because it did not match any of her towels. It was not part of their set. And so they were like, "Mm, we think that one was brought into the home by the killer. So this towel was always a very like focal point for the investigators. Now, after they did their initial investigation at the crime scene, they decide to start questioning the neighbors. The first neighbors that they go to are, of course, the wife and the husband who had actually taken the kids in while waiting on the police. They asked for the couple's names, and the husband said his name was Danny Lowe Restivo. No. <laughs> no. Lola's eyes just are like, what? Sorry, I almost knocked my mic over. My eyeballs just <sighs> popped out a bit. Yep. Yep, There's no fucking way. Yeah. Yep. This yep. is no. I I'm in shock. I can't go a step further. What is yeah. happening? <laughs> when I tell you this case, like, still gets even <sighs> crazier after this. Uh, it does. Okay. I'm not say lying. more immediately. Say, say more. more. Okay. So when they first start questioning them, they aren't suspicious of Danny Lowe. They're just trying to like ask some questions. Did you see anything? Did you hear anything? Kind of thing. But all of a sudden, Danny Lowe's like, I have an alibi. <laughs> Oh, really? <laughs> I'm not kidding. He's like, he's like, I was at a computer class and I took the bus this morning and even offers up a bus ticket thing, like timestamp for 844 that morning. Now, this is a pretty solid alibi that he said he has. And, but the cops were like, but why were, like, why did you offer it up so fast? Like it's it was too just, solid. It was too solid. It was just too suspicious. But they also, like, everybody kept saying, like, he has a solid alibi, like, look somewhere else. And so the cops were like, okay, well, look other places. But as they were investigating and digging through Heather Barnett's life and everything, it just made Danny Lowe look even more suspicious. For example, in Heather's emails, they found one that she had written to her sister that mentioned how Danny Lowe made her feel very nervous and uncomfortable. Apparently, he had come to her asking her to make some custom curtains for his wife for like a Christmas or birthday present or something like that. Uh, But what was weird is that he was always changing his mind and like not able to like come up with a solid idea or like color or pattern or like what he was wanting. And custom work like this is always more expensive than just like going and buying some curtains on you know, line or uh, from the store. And so it was just really weird to her that he was coming to her for custom curtains, but didn't know but what unsure. he wanted. Yeah. 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 It was just huh. really weird. Like, mm-hmm. do you not know your wife, sir? <laughs> exactly. Now, also, uh, they had found out, I think it was through emails again through to her sister, that one of the times after Danny Lowe had come over to talk about the curtains, her spare house key vanished. And she couldn't find it. And she was terrified. Like, it really scared her. And so after that, she got all her locks and everything changed. Because she was like, oh, fuck no. Like, it was... she, She was seeing the red flags and she was trying to be as cautious as she could. As they're investigating this and they're finding these weird connections that is just making Danny Lowe suspicious, one of the investigators is like... I want to try and find out some more about this Danny Lowe guy. So he goes to the Google and he starts just looking up everything he can about Danny Lowe Recibo. And that's when he finds out about Danny Lowe's connection to the disappearance of Elisa Claps nine years earlier. Yes, it comes full circle. Yes. I mean, it is like pancake on top of pancake. All of the suspicion 
that the investigators are like, it is all pointing straight back to Danny Lowe. Okay. But I'll... One thing real quick, one question, if you know. Mm -hmm. What did Danny Lowe do for a living? He had taken those dental exams, but then like, I don't know if he ever passed or not. And um, I, I know he like, he went to the UK so he had yeah. moved to the UK because he was under so much suspicion. I was wondering, did he go back to school for something? Was he enrolled in no. a tech class, computer class that he... He wanted to go somewhere where he wasn't known. Okay. I think he was like, yeah. And and his wife was like a dis... Like somebody with a, an older lady with a disability. She was more like a mother, like somebody who could wash his clothes and make him meals and... This is weird. Stuff this like is, that. This is weird. It's... Is it's very weird. Danny boy, the pipes. The pipes. Yeah, so they're like, okay, he's so fucking suspicious, right? Now they're like, maybe his alibi isn't as solid as we're thinking. So they go back and take a second look and they find going through like uh, surveillance cameras and stuff that from what I can remember, this is a really long book that I had read. From what I can remember is that they had, yes, seen Danny Lowe get on the bus that morning at 8.44. But but with the route and the next bus stop, he could have easily gotten off at the next bus stop and gotten to Heather Barnett's in time to murder her. Uh, And And then when they went to the school to where he was like taking this like computer class. Actually, yeah, I'm remembering now. It was a computer class for unemployed people to like help them find a job. So I don't even think he had a job. Okay. I I think he was like living off his wife's disability is probably what he was doing. So... Uh, when they went to the school to check the sign-in sheet for him to take this class, they noticed that he had signed in at 10.15, but he marked it out, the 10, and changed it to a 9. So I think they're thinking, oh, okay, he really did get here at 10.15, but he's realizing like the times aren't adding up, so he changes it to 9 really quick. Right. I must change because so, I murdered about an hour ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fucking idiot. I was covered in blood then. I, it's... My bad. So, okay, suspicious to say the least, but still, none of this is evidence. Like, none of this is going to be able to be like solid, lock him up. So they decide at this point, it has been 18 months since the murder of Heather Barnett. And they're like, this motherfucker is guilty as shit, but we can't tie him to it yet. So they put him under um, surveillance. Now, the reason they want to do this is like, they just did not want him to have the chance of killing again because they were pretty sure Elisa, even though she had never been found, that she was probably murdered by Danny Lowe. And so they were like, between these two, like, yeah, he's guilty. Like, we cannot let him kill again. Now, when they're surveilling Danny Lowe, they notice uh, one day at a park, he's acting very weird. For one, when he got out of the car, he goes and puts on a second set of clothes over his first set of clothes. Is and it cold? Starts, <laughs> no, it's not very cold at all. Pretty sure this is like the summertime. And so he also is wearing gloves and then he's walking around. There's all these women who are like exercising and running and everything. And he would like get behind a bush and like watch these women and like hide and stalk what it looked like stalking these freaking women. So the cops are freaking out because they're like, holy shit, it looks like he's going to get... Like he's planning on murdering somebody again. So they call in to patrol officers and get one of the patrol officers to come out and question him. And when they questioned him and searched him, they ended up finding a balaclava, which is like that ski mask type thing, um, a knife, scissors, and gloves. So they arrest him and take him into custody. And that's when they start questioning him back at the station. Now, 
he says that the reason that he um, was wearing two sets of clothes is because he was trying to lose weight and it made him sweat more, which helped him lose weight. That's water weight, you idiot. <laughs> Sorry. I'm like, ah. But yeah. Is that um, why you were crouching behind bushes? Is that why? But he also- Were you getting your squats in? Yeah, he had an excuse for that too. He said he was collecting bugs to feed his reptiles at home. With a mask? <laughs> With a- I, Okay. Right? Show us the right. reptile. <sighs> Show us. <laughs> now again, having all of these items isn't necessarily a crime, but it is still adding to the suspicion of like, you're guilty as fuck, but we still have no concrete evidence. So they keep surveilling him and they really do think that they probably saved somebody from being murdered that day. Oh, I think so too. Good now, good work, guys. <laughs> uh, this is where it gets a little hairy. As they're surveilling him, they catch him on like public buses cutting people's hair. What? You're not licensed. I, women, women, <laughs> women are just standing there and he's sitting behind them and he just like, grabs a chunk of her hair and cuts it off. That's assault, idiot. And so they're like, okay, we need to find out whose hair is was in Heather Barnett's left hand. We know her hair was in her right hand, whose hair was in her left. So they put out this like broadcast through like Potanza and all of Italy back where he used to live and within the UK and Bournemouth and stuff that where he is now. Asking anybody to come forward if the, some stranger had cut their hair in public. <laughs> and then all these people start calling in and they're like, oh my God, I was on a, a public bus and this guy just like chopped off a piece of my hair. Or I was at the boofies and then like somebody cut off my hair and behind me. And there was like so many people, like a handful of people, both in Italy and here calling this in. So they're like, okay. It's very clear that he has like a sexual gratification from cutting the woman's hair. We're not really sure if it's like the hair itself or it's the control of being able to like cut somebody's hair without their consent. And so it gives him power or if it's a combination of the two. I am now, mortified again, as a person that does I'm this. Right? <laughs> I... That was... Oh, that was another one. Some people had no idea their hair had been cut until they went to go get their hair cut at the salon. And they'd be like, and their, what is this? their stylist, their stylist was like, you have a chunk of hair missing back here. What happened? And they're like, oh, what? Like they had no idea. And I swear to God, to any of you fetish haircutters, it, even if you take a small lock, next time they go to get their hair cut, we can see it. We know. You, I believe it. Even 1, if their hair grows out, I, we know. We know. Mm-hmm. I believe it. Somebody I don't know it, but I believe it. No, thank you. <laughs> oh, yeah. Now, of course, they don't want to arrest him for this stuff because they want to arrest him for Heather Barnett's murder. And so they are like, okay. But it's still like adding to their confirmation that like, he's probably their guy. They even brought a couple of these women in to do a lineup. And they even picked out Danny Lowe yeah. for Stevo from the lineup of people. I'm like, yeah, that motherfucker cut my hair. I gotta so, see his picture. Again, I gotta check. Well, okay, yeah, you can look it up. I gotta see. Does he have a mustache? <laughs> have you? No. Why, why do on, I, I just feel have like to he, wait? I don't know. I, I don't know anything. Oh, oh God, he's ugly as hell. <laughs> oh, 
he looks inbred. Uh, oh my god! He, what happened to you? In, it's giving incel. <laughs> it it's not. I think he could. Okay, and I'm going to say this, and I'll probably say this about everybody. It doesn't look like he's taking care of himself. Like I think if he put some time, not even much time, he looks he like he needs a shower. Bad. He 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 looks like he stinks. <laughs> exactly. Constantly he does needs not look a like shower. He cares for himself. And it's just like that's though. It's like oh, that's so gross. Oh God. I don't want to look anymore. Okay, moving on. Anyways, okay, so I think the accumulation of all of this circumstantial evidence allows them to get a search warrant and Danny Lowe's house was raided in 2006. So remember, she was murdered in 2002. So it's now four years after her murder, Heather Barnett's. Now, they ended up finding shoes that matched the shoe print that was back at the crime scene, but they couldn't find DNA on the shoes. You want to know why? What did he do? Because they found the shoes soaking in in bleach in his bathroom when they raided the house. This is not real. This is not real life. I'm this not is kidding. This is a joke. Even even his wife was like, "Why did you do that?" And he was like, "I thought it was soap." <laughs> I oh, <laughs> the smell. All soap smells like bleach. Okay, it, I have no words. <laughs> I have no words. Now, when they're in the bathroom and they find the shoes, uh, they also notice um, that Danny Lowestivo has green towels. <gasps> and why did match, I guess that way? <laughs> they, <laughs> they match the green hand towel that was left at the crime scene. Now, when they had tested originally this hand towel, they had found two sets of DNA on the towel. They knew that it was Heather Barnett's DNA, but they couldn't um, separate the two DNAs. Technology hadn't made it that far when they had tested it. And so they were basically just waiting to like for technology to get far enough along to where they could separate these two DNAs to figure out whose the other DNA was. All they could tell was that it was a male. That was literally all they could tell. So now that they're like, okay, Danilo has this fucking towel set. It is probably his DNA. Now, in 2008, DNA research and science has gotten far enough to where they are able to separate it, and they do separate it, and bing, it's Danny Lerestivos. So they confront the motherfucker on it. And you know what this motherfucker says? Do I want to know? He goes, yeah, I gave that um, towel to Heather to to show her what color I wanted for my curtains. He's as dumb as he looks. You, okay, but you have to give him this. Every fucking time, it's stupid ass shit, but it's just enough stupid ass shit that it gives enough reasonable doubt that the cops are like, God damn it, it. we can't charge you quite yet. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, drawing board. You son of a a bitch. (sighs) Yeah. Because they're like, if we take it and there's enough reasonable doubt, we can't try him again. Well, honestly, I don't know if they could try him again. This is the UK. I was going to say, I don't even know how their stuff works over there, so... I don't know, but I'm assuming it's something in the similar or they would have charged his ass a long time ago. Like there was so much circumstantial evidence, you know? Yeah. Now, Heather Burnett, her case had little movement for the next two years. That is until March of 2010. Back in Italy, some construction workers had gone to the attic of Father Don Mami's church to fix the (gasps) leak. As they were working, they stumbled across a mummified 
dead body. Shut the front door and the back window. What? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Authorities arrived and before <sighs> long, the news caught wind. And after that, it just spread like wild, wildfire. The second the Claps family heard, they knew it had to be Elisa. And yes, they all closure. rushed to the church and watched as law enforcement, crime scene investigators, and coroners, you know, took out windows and yeah. removed what they knew under those sheets and bags was a mummified and dead body, which is yeah. most likely Elisa. As they are standing there, the original investigator showed up and made the comment that her conscience was clear. <gasps> leave. Automatically ex- leave ex- the country. Go away. Uh, the audacity. Jildo. I don't know how they didn't commit homicide right then and there. <laughs> oh, Jildo. He's fuming and I can't, I would have just like, go boy, go. Jildo looks and snaps back at her and goes, if you would have done what we told you, Elisa would have been found in a matter of days, not years. Oof, go off, boy. Go off. Mm, and it's true. Not one of those motherfuckers went and was searched this church. They had probable fucking cause. They That's were the last thing. seen at the church. Yeah. Danny Loversteva was with her at the church. They could have easily and should have easily been able to get a fucking search warrant to search the church. If they would have been able to search the church. They would have found her dead body and then Heather Barnett would have never died. So would it have saved Elisa? No, it wouldn't. She was already dead. No, but it would have saved Heather. It would have saved Heather. And they like, you you say your conscience is clear. Well, you're a psychopath and you need to be locked away if your conscience is clear on this. None. None. You son of a bitch. Uh -uh. Uh-uh. Yeah, take a a sip of your tea. Get calm again. Thank you. (laughs) I as much as they were probably wanting or I know they were wanting answers I can't imagine the emotions and what they were going through in that moment watching and knowing that most likely that was Elisa's body coming out of that church because like yes that's closure in the sense that they have answers now but also I think especially the mom Philomena I think she had held on to that hope that like maybe she was still alive. Yeah. And just like in captivity or in trafficking. And so this was very much like... mm, It's like relief and sorrow and frustration and just it all hits again, probably. Her mom is just the cutest little like Italian woman and she's she's precious. I just want to hug her. After they get back to the morgue, they take some of the belongings that they had found with the body and they showed them to the family and it was confirmed that it was Elisa Claps. The sweater. Mm-hmm. The, the sweater. sweater uh, I think there was like shoes, um, shoes, some glasses, and I think something else was with the body. And they showed them just those. And I was like, thank God they had belongings with it. So yeah, like, yeah. that was the way they could identify her. Now... Um, since the body was mummified, they were able to do a pretty thorough autopsy because like there was still skin and things like that uh-huh, that they yeah. could see puncture wounds and, and things of that nature. They ended up finding stab wounds in her back and chest and many defensive wounds. This meant that Elisa, of course, fought back hard when she was being attacked. Now, as they are like looking at these wounds, they're starting to align them and notice that a lot of these, if not all of them, are actually made with scissors. 
Um, they had also found hair that had been cut from her head and was left beside her body. They also found that the front of her bra was cut just between the cups and her pants were pulled down just to reveal her privates. I'm sorry, were they sexually assaulted? Was Heather... I could never find anything. I don't, I think he got sexual gratification. Yes, they were sexually assaulted, but not physically sexually assaulted like, that I could find. No penetration. There was no like, penetration. Okay. Not that I could find that it was listed. Um, I think he got his sexual gratification. It's not that it's any better, but like, I just wondered because I meant to ask that with Heather's earlier on, but yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, that could never find that. Now, this is really sad. Based off of her wounds, like they could, like science could align, like, okay, if she was punctured here, then it would have hit this artery or this or that. Yeah. And they estimated that it would have, it would have taken her 30 minutes to die. Oh, man, that's hard. So she laid up there. I know. That was like devastating. That's like an eternity. Yeah. yeah. Horrible. Like 30 minutes is a very long time when, in, in a situation like that. I can't imagine. Even a minute in excruciating pain is a long time. Rest in peace, beautiful angel. Oof. Now this family has gone through enough and they're like excited. Okay, let's get these items tested. And it comes back that the sweater that was tested, there was no connection to Danny Loverstimo. And the family's like, what the fuck? Yeah, there is. Like, check it again. Like, you're stupid. So they did some further investigation and it showed that the scientist who had done the test, he had rushed it. He had just like tested a two couple spots and everything and then he was done. Uh, and it had come to find out that he had done that in a lot of other cases too. So they were like, <gasps> fuck you. Yeah, I know. Why are you in this field? Go, I was go say, away. Why do you choose to be in a line of work that's such an important I, line of work? And then half after. I just don't understand that. Like I I was in early childhood education and there was a girl that got all the way to um, student teaching and she was like a horrible person. She was so mean. She student taught with one of my one of my good friends at the time and like put her hands, like grabbed one of the children when she was a student teacher. And I'm like, why the fuck are you in this field? Like you have no patience. You're rude. You're mean. Like you are a care. What are you doing? Like why? Yeah. Yeah. We and I'm like, you don't even get paid that much in, in teaching. So like, you don't have a passion for it. Like, what are you doing? True. You doing? That's, that's a good point. I don't understand. I don't understand why people are in jobs like this. Like, I don't get it. Just, no. I don't. I, well, yeah, I don't know either. That's disgusting. I don't either. Yeah. And this guy was like that. I was like, what the hell? Okay. For him, at least he's probably making good money. So I can at least like see there, but come on, do a better job. They took the sweater to a different um, lab and a different scientist went and went over and they, I mean, section by section by section, they tested the sweater. And there was a good portion and we will post a picture of this sweater. Remember, it was white um, Mm -hmm. in the picture. It's it's very brown because it had been there for, what was it? Like she was found in 2010, died in 1993, so 17 years. Yeah. There's a good portion of this sweater left. So like props to handmade, nice cotton oh, fibers, yes. whatever it is, it was there. So this scientist went section by section on this sweater and they ended up finding at the very back of the sweater, three puncture like spots within the sweater. And they found Danny Lowe Restivo's 
DNA. Not only did they find his DNA, but the scientists said that the strength of this DNA, like the concentration of it was so high that it had to be Danny Lowe's blood. It wasn't his sweat or tears or anything like that. It was his blood. From the cut. And so... Yeah, (laughs) exactly. The escalator cut. Come on, the escalator cut. (laughs) Thank God we finally have some type of closure on this. Yes, he is connected. This has been the longest hour of my life. (laughs) Uh, he with with all of this and all of this ed- evidence, Italy is ready to arrest Danny Lowe. But before they can, British police had already taken him into custody so, yes! for Heather Barnett's murder. So go off um, with the evidence that had come out finding Elisa's body. The British police thought that the similarities within the two cases could allow them to win their case with the murder of Heather. So during Danny Lowe's trial for the murder of Heather Barnett, the judge actually allowed the Elisa Claps case as evidence. They were able to video chat with witnesses from Italy during the trial. They had witnesses come forward testifying that Danny Lowe would cut their hair on buses and at movies in Italy. Italy. One boyfriend said that he even saw Danny Lowe masturbating at the movies after cutting his girlfriend's hair. I have to leave the the country. Oh, God. I have to burn my eyeballs. I can't. I can't. No. Uh, Another witness came forward and said that Danny Lowe promised her a gift and lured her to the attic of the church. But when they got there, she was like, oh, fuck, no. And she refused to go in. Good. So. God. We're assuming that, I think it is assumed that Elisa went in with Danny Lowe trying to be nice. Of course. She was just so sweet. And she was also 16 and he was 24. And Yeah, you feel a pressure there. It's not her fault. If one person ever blames her, I will. will We will gut you. you. Just kidding. We're not (laughs) going to do that. That was a joke. We'll be really, really upset. I'll be so disappointed in you. I, I will dream about throat punching you, okay? Oh, <laughs> hold on. I've got to know. Why did uh, Mr. Don Mimi, whatever, why did he help? Okay, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. That's my, the, we'll go to the theories at the end. Um, okay. So, anyways, moving forward. They presented the DNA evidence um, on Elisa's sweater. Um, they show the similarities between both murders, the cut bras, the cut hair, the pants being pulled down, just enough to reveal the private areas, all the similarities. They pointed out the DNA to show that, like, he for sure killed this girl. And this, her murder matches Heather Barnett's murder in all of these ways, trying to give, like, a very clear connection. And of course, they showed the evidence connecting Danny Lowe to Heather Barnett's murder with the shoes, them being soaked in bleach, his towel in her apartment, the emails, the suspicion, the The shoes, the cutting of the hair, what the police had seen when surveilling him, all of that stuff. After closing, it didn't take long for the jury to find Danny Lowe Restivo guilty. Now for this case, the judge was the one... Because they have wiggly brains. Mm-hmm. Uh, the judge is actually the one that gets to decide his sentence. And he said that the facts were clear, that Danny Lowe killed Heather Barnett and Elisa Claps. He also said that Danny Lowe was calloused and malicious. 
he knew the kids would be coming home from school and that they would be the ones to find their dead and mutilated mother. And for that, he, um, in June of 2011, Danny Lobercebo received life in prison. Yes. Now, unfortunately, this motherfucker, a little over a year later, in November of 2012, he appealed the life sentence saying that the judge shouldn't have taken into consideration the Elisa Claps murder since Danny Lowe Recibo wasn't convicted of her murder at that time. He had already been convicted of her murder by 2012, but when on trial for Heather Barnett's murder, he was not convicted of it. He won this appeal little bitch boy. Um, And his sentence was reduced to a minimum of 40 years. And the judge said that, quote, it's highly unlikely he will ever get out. (laughs) So I think the judge like reduced it just because he had to, because legally it shouldn't have been allowed, but it was. Yeah. Yeah. But shortly after he was convicted of Heather Barnett's murder, Italy is like, yes, we know you're in prison, but we're not going to stand by on this. And they go to trial um, into short, like later that year in 2011 for the murder of Elisa Claps. Now, Danny Lowe's in prison in the UK and he is actually not present for this trial and there was no cross-examination. It was literally just like the prosecution going over all of the evidence and Danny Lowe was found guilty and received a 30-year sentence. Yes. I have no idea how these are going to be served if it's like he spends 40 years and then in he the shipped UK back. and then he's and then he's transferred to Italy and I, I have I have no idea. Um, it's possible no he'll idea, just but, be moved to a different facility or they could strike a deal yeah. and be like, hey, you can keep him over there. Mm-hmm. You know, we can mm-hmm. just do some paperwork thing, you know? Yeah, by the time he um, was actually like, I think in 2012, what would he have been? 93, when he was 24, 34, 44? Right? Something About. like that. Well, yeah, yeah. He's like math. over 40. So like, yeah. He's <laughs> he's he's definitely not getting out. Um, he's made an old man. So if he ever does, which I don't see him. Wait, ever didn't you say he's out. dead? So no. Don Mimi's dead. No. Pastor Don Mimi is dead. Let's get into that though. Please. Okay. So here are some theories. So the theory is that allegedly Pastor Don Mimi was a homosexual and this was discovered by Danny Lowe's father and he used it to blackmail him into helping cover up Elisa's murder. (gasps) Bank records do show that around the time of Elisa's disappearance, Danny Lowe's father took out large sums of money. So this gives credence to the fact that he probably paid off Pastor Don Mimi or gave money to the church or paid off some political officials or officers or something like we'll never find out the full extent to the cover-up but like I am sorry a thousand percent this was covered up by so many people was the pastor never held accountable for not letting anyone search or like for hold holding a dead body Mm -mm. no because pastor Don Mimi actually died in 2008 her body wasn't found until 2010 dang it so it's interesting to note that the attic of this church was actually worked on in the early 2000s, meaning that there were workers in the attic that were right beside her mummified dead body, but saw nothing. Was it like uh, under something or were there things stacked around it? 
So the church tries to say that the body was covered in rubble and tile, and that's why it went unnoticed. But the examiners of Elisa's body and the crime scene, like where she was found in the attic, said that there was no evidence that she was covered in any rubble or tiles. It show evidence shows that there was rubble and like tiles and stuff that would have been around her body to where you can't see it. But not on top. But they also were not there at the time of her body being discovered. They had been moved. So things had been moved around. Somebody knew she was there. Mm -hmm. So the theory is, when Pastor Don Mimi died in 2008, he had a deathbed confession and he confessed to uh, knowing about the murder of Elisa to the new priest of this, you know, it's like called the Holy Trinity Church or something, the Catholic Church. Great. Um, so Super holy. this new priest is like, fuck, what do I do? I have to figure out a way to get this body to be able to be found, but it's not found by church officials. Like they, he, they're trying to like uh. hands off. And this is a working theory, allegedly. Okay. Now, the it is assumed that the cleaners like were the first ones to go up into the attic. Um, it was like church cleaners. They were like directed to go up and clean the attic for some fucking reason. And, and I think one of the cleaners did, and it's in the book and we'll link it in the show notes, but she comes forward and says that she was like told to go up there and clean. They end up finding the body and they tell the priest and the priest is like, go tell the officials. And they're like, fuck no. Like, we know what you're trying to do. Like, we know this game and we're not going to be a part of it. And so they were like, uh, hands off. You take care of it. It's your church, not mine. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. uh, Nobody's, nobody still calls the police. So he's like, we got to get somebody else in here to find this body. So he or somebody goes and breaks a tile. I don't know if it was like in a room. I'm assuming it was tile on the roof to there where it would cause a leak. And so he went and called the roofers. The roofers came out and fixed it multiple times, but they were able to fix it without having to go in the attic. And Pastor, this new priest was like, God damn it. So he calls and he's like, I need you to come out. It's still leaking. And I need you to go in the attic. Like, he, the priest himself, directed these workers to the attic. Also, it is not allegedly. part of the priest's job description to be this involved as he was. And that's not allegedly. Like, that is a 100% fact. He was very involved and he did direct these workers to the attic. So it is allegedly that wow. we don't know how it broke and wow. why this leak happened. But okay. We do know he was definitely, like, very on, like, get in that attic. <laughs> so they do go Dang. in the attic. Boom, the body's found. So it was their way of like trying to save face. And it is, I have said this before and I will say it again. It is a self-fulfilling prophecy with these churches and ministries and stuff that like try to cover up shit to try to not make themselves look bad. But because they cover it up, they make themselves look bad. I'm like, (laughs) if you would just own it, You didn't murder her. You didn't allow him into the freaking attic. Yes, it happened in your church, but it's 10 times, million times worse that you fucking covered it up for years. (sighs) Now. Yeah. Again, or not again, but also underneath Elisa's body when she was found, they found a button. It has been theorized that this button could have been one of the buttons from Pastor Don Mami's like Catholic robes. And when he passed away, he actually left the robes for the new priest to inherit. 
So a scientist actually took these robes and tested the buttons and scientific examination of them said that they did not match, but it was very evident from the gown and the robe that all of the buttons had been changed at some point. So even though this button doesn't match the buttons on the robe, all the buttons, all the buttons have been changed. So it could have been conspiracy, right? I'm like, there are a few conspiracies I believe in, and I'm like, I am insert some like scary music. (laughs) Uh, There are many other officials and political leaders that were allegedly paid off to help cover up her murder. Way too many to get into. Um, There's a book that you can read. It's called Blood on the Altar by Tobias Jones. Very good. It actually has a lot of history of Italy and stuff, and it kind of gives you a better idea. It is a long read, but it is good, and we will link it in the show notes if you want. So it's like dig even deeper into this. Um, But there was one pastor, Pastor Don Marcello, I think is how you say it. Forgive me. Um, He fought right beside the Claps family. He wanted truth, and he was just heartbroken. Um, he was a Catholic priest, or he's, I'm pretty sure still is a Catholic priest. And he had even made the comment that he was just heartbroken and disgusted with the like, even his association with an organization that would go this deep to cover up her murder. He was just, I mean, ugh. and he actually gave like the memorial speech like um, after her body was found. And he, I mean, raw, he was like, talking about how angry and his disappointment and everybody else's disappointment and all the leaders that they should have been able to count on. It was not this like, like Elisa was wonderful and amazing and that's all they're going to talk about. It was like, this was unjust and these people fucked us over and we're angry about it and we're allowed to be angry about it because you're a bunch of douchebags. (sighs) The Church of the Holy Trinity was closed after Elisa's body was found in 2010, but in 2021, it was announced that they were uh, planning to reopen the church. And the Pope even wrote a letter to the Claps family themselves. I don't know what it said, but he wrote one. I think wow. it, yeah, probably expressing his condolences. And I'm sorry this happened in our church, but like. But we have to proselytize. So we're opening it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> From what I could find, uh, the church actually opened like end of August of 2023. Like literally just reopened. Yeah, the Claps family was not happy. Um, I can't blame them. Gildo, the oldest brother, said that the church spent decades helping cover up the murder of his sister and he hopes that the community stands by them and does not enter the church. I even found the church on like a travel website. It was like, come and tour our church. I was like, oh my God, fuck you all. <laughs> I can't. Um, I have information. Yeah. On... The, I'm sorry, I can't get over the librarian thing. Yeah, okay, what I figured is that? it out. I was that. I think I figured it out. Okay. Just in this Explain time. It to us. Okay. The Italian Parliamentary Library. So, uh, made up of two libraries. It's the Senate Library and the Chamber of Deputies Library, and they make up the Italian Joint pa- Parliamentary Library. Which is the largest library in Europe for government documents. So it the library's role is to like provide support to the Senate, but it's accessible to the public, holding like uh, pamphlets, books, documents, uh, manuscripts, maps, 
uh, autographed items that are all like of significance to the government and, and history. Yeah. And all. So okay. it's, it's a big deal. Big deal. Yeah, it makes sense that this is a big deal. Makes sense that yeah. everybody knows But it's thing. not like a public library. Yeah, I know. I was like, kind of I thing. know that in my head, it is not like a librarian with some glasses and, you know, whatever. I was like, I know it's got to be more than that. But I, all I had in my notes, because I read this book so long ago, that all I had had in my notes was that he was a prominent person within the community. But then I watched an episode um, of the show that covers Daniel Recibo and I, I found it today. And I was like, oh, okay. So I wrote it down and I didn't have time to actually like look into it before I sure. But thank you. No, for sure. For sure. That's yeah. just interesting. Yeah. I actually had never heard of anything like this before. I'm sure we have something similar to it. It's just probably... Not as cool of a name. Not called. <laughs> no, not at all. And no. also, I'm talking about in English terms all of the Italian terms, like the Italian name for it is just like, <laughs> like fan, fancy angel breath, you know? You sounded it's nice. like you were high. <laughs> 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 Listen, I don't sound nearly this coherent when I am under the influence of... I, I doubt it. I, I, I are not, I doubt it. I believe that. Like I 1000% believe that. And also we need to like, take an edible one day and then record an episode. We will. We will. It's going to be a funny one. We're going to do that. Okay, (laughs) I will end on this because I will, I know we'll have people who know this case and stuff and comment this. Danilo is suspected in another murder, but there is no hard evidence to connect him to it. And so like he's never been convicted. Do we know the murder? Yes. I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you just like a small little rundown. Okay. Because it is a hot mess of a hot mess case. Okay. So it is the murder of Jung Oik Shin. She was a Korean exchange student um, in Bournemouth. So when he was living in the UK, um, it was found out after he was convicted for these other murders that at the time of her murder in 2002, he was living like two streets away from her. So she was murdered. Um, she was stabbed to death in the streets on July 12th, 2002. Now, <sighs> shortly after her murder, God. it was a drug dealer that was like, uh, somebody had said, like blamed it on a drug dealer. And it became this hot mess of like drug dealers and junkie like addicts saying, he said, she said, and it turned into, I mean, the hottest mess of a hot mess case. Okay. So we still are just trying to... And he, I think that the drug dealer is still in prison for her murder, or maybe he was like convicted of it and then got out. I know it was a, it was a hard to follow case. Uh, but okay, but this is, one is yeah, he is connected somewhat. Yeah, he's suspected of actually being the one to kill Jung Oikshin um, at the time. Uh, but after his trials, you know, there was no connection, like hard connection. So like it's never gone anywhere. But I just thought I'll at least mention it for those that are like, but he's yes, I know, but. <laughs> Yes. Again. Okay, we know. Theory. We know. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that is the uh Danny Larisivo, the hair fetish fucking freak. Don't smile so much around it. <laughs> it's like I'm smiling because I'm uncomfortable. <laughs> I know. It's, awkward. it's like when Bailey Sarian laughs. Uh-huh. Yeah. I'm laughing because I'm We all have our thing. I know. It's like, oh, that's I just make a lot of weird faces. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> That's funny. So let's do a couple palate cleansers. I feel like I got through that case. Let's do it. A little quicker than I was expecting. So that's good. We got a few minutes. You did very well. Mm-hmm. Um, very it's well. not really like a happy, happy palate cleanser. What? Actually, it is a happy palate cleanser. Today, I spent time like winterizing my garden, which was like somewhat sad and somewhat happy. I pulled out the last few tomato plants that I had, uh, pulled them out, got them, you know, some of the stuff put in the compost and prepared, you know, the beds and everything. I have garlic growing um, and then I'm going to get some straw to put over it to winterize it and stuff. And so I was like sad to see my garden so bare. Like the only thing that's left in it is my strawberries, which I will winterize. And then my garlic, which has to grow through this the winter. But that was it. And I was like so sad to see it bare. But at the same time, I was like, you worked yeah. really hard in that fucking garden and you learned a lot of shit yeah. and a lot of plants died and you failed, but you also succeeded and it was great. So yeah. it was fun. Decay is part of growth. It is. It is. Yeah. So I just... It's good. The seasons change for a reason. So I know. I just really enjoyed that. Oh, and then I painted. We took a side table. It's the cutest fucking thing. I can't wait to show you. Oh, wait. Yeah. 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 We took a side table and we converted it into a chair for our kids. The chair thing with with the cute. And I painted it today. Uh, This like this beautiful, deep, like foresty green color. (gasps) It's so pretty. I can't wait to get it in the house for the kids. It has like a working drawer in the bottom. And then we took the top drawer that we cut out to make the seat and we turned it into a footstool. It's going to be so cute. It's so precious. Can't wait. I love it. What's your palate cleanser, Lola? My palate cleanser is that I finish all of your family's Christmas gifts today. (laughs) Oh, you did. I got that text. She's like, I finished your kids' Christmas gifts. I was like, shut up. No, I texted you about your kids' But I finished yours and Tyler's also today. Oh my so like, gosh. it's all good. It's packed away. It's ready to be shipped when the time comes. Oh my gosh. Look at you. You are like prepared. I don't even celebrate Christmas. And I need to say solstice gifts. Yeah. Or like Yule gifts. What, what, because, what time of year is that? Is that like after Christmas? Or so... Yule or winter solstice is between December 20th, which is my birthday, <gasps> and December 23rd. You're, so you're a 20? That's when Yule is. Oh, that's exciting. Oh my gosh, you're so prepared. Yule. I'm so prepared. Oh. oh, I'm sorry. My tags say Merry Christmas or something, but I normally hey. just write Happy Holidays. I know. Right? Let's just, if they're going to tell us that we're taking Christ out of Christmas, let's just like go ahead and do it. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That, but seriously. I mean, by all means, put, put your tree up like I a real don't. pagan, won't you? Upside down, right? No, they put it upside down. No, you don't have to. Just a, a oh, tree in to. general. Decorating was. a tree is a, a pagan ritual. Okay, we'll end it on this because I was like, every time somebody says uh, calls a Christmas tree pagan, it makes me think of this. So when I was in the cult, I was told that I couldn't get tattoos, right? Because tattoos are pagan uh, and they're not good and they're against the Bible and like, you just can't get them, right? I know. That was the one thing when I was in the cult that I, and I don't even know why, but I like stood my ground and I was like, I don't think it's a sin. And they were like, (gasps) and I was like, well, it would be a sin for me to get one because my leadership is against them. So it would be me rebelling and like the rebel, the rebelliousness for me would be the sin. But I don't think that like, 
Joe Schmo going out and getting a tattoo. Yeah, I don't think them going to get a tattoo. I don't think that's sinful. They would give me packets. Like, I'm not fucking kidding. They would print off packets from the internet and be like, you should read this as if it was going to convince me. And I bought them to the nail. They never convinced me. One girl was, wow. One girl was standing there and she was like, it's pagan. And I was like, yeah, so it's Christmas. That's how it started. And we celebrate Christmas and it's, we turned it into a Christian holiday or whatever. And she was like, she, this bitch literally looked at me and was like, yeah, I've been thinking about not putting up my Christmas tree. And I just laughed in her face and walked away because I was like, (laughs) no, you haven't. (laughs) Goodbye. Oh my God. (laughs) Also, so in a surprising twist, my grand-grand, who is still part of the Church of Christ that I grew up in, Love you, Grand Grand. When I turned 18, I really wanted a tattoo. And I was like, I, but I don't want to go against anything, you know? Mm-hmm. I'm still in the church and everything at that time. You're and right. so I was asking, I came to her above everyone else. And I was like, is it, will it be wrong? Will it separate me from God? And she said, well, how many people on the earth probably have tattoos? And I was like, I'm going to guess like 70%. And she was like, I, she said, I would wager about 80%. Oh, she went higher. She, she, she was like, if, <laughs> yeah, if, if this is the thing that condemns people, we're kind of, <laughs> we're kind of screwed. <laughs> yeah. Like, she was like, I just don't think he measures your heart. You're leaving this body anyway. Right. You know? Right. Like, I think he doesn't measure that kind of thing. So I think as long as it's not like a bad word or, you know, like something pornographic, yeah. <laughs> uh, I think it's fine. And I was like, I'm down for it. Okay. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so, I love that. Yeah. I love that. Good job. That's I, it's amazing I know. Come for her. Go off, Grand Grand. It's funny because like even people outside of like religious aspects like have... They're like, oh, like when it comes to purity or the way that like tattoos look, like you said, like nothing pornographic. It made me think of my husband has a pinup of me on his arm. Oh, that's hot. It's I love so it. good. It, I love it. I, he was just, he went and got a hot rod tattoo and I knew he was getting the hot rod tattoo. I did not know he was going to get a pinup. He surprised me when he came <laughs> home with the pinup and I was like, can I see it? Will you send yes, it to I'll me? send you a picture. I'll add a picture oh in the Instagram. Um, in our stories, I don't want to add it, it to this show because I just feel like that's Just scary. put it in our stories. Yeah, I'll put it in our stories. And your chair. Put your chair yeah, in yeah. the story and so then we we'll can save see it to a highlight so you guys can all like see all of our fun stuff. Even if you listen to this like way later but um we'll title the highlight palette cleanser cleanser. there you go um but yeah he got it he even like like the girl's hair in the pinup is purple purple? and she's wearing (laughs) she's wearing these shorts and her butt cheek my butt cheeks hanging out oh i love that (laughs) my mom that's my favorite my mom who is not religious at all she was like She's like, uh-huh. your butt's hanging out. And Tyler... Your butter bean's hanging out. She was on FaceTime and Tyler heard her from the other room and he goes, that's my favorite part. Oh, Tyler, go off. Yes. <laughs> I was laughing so hard. I was like, oh my gosh. Like even like my non-religious fans are like, oh my God, her butt. I was like, yeah, it shows more in a bikini. It's okay, calm down. <laughs> Here's our final uh, th- final take for the palate cleanser is that butter beans hanging out of your shorts is a good thing. Uh-huh. Do it more often. I love my Let butt. your butter beans hang out. <laughs> I was going 
can't I love say it. let your butter beans ball. <laughs> That's it. Oh, man. Boys, let your butter beans <laughs> ball. <laughs> don't, don't do that. Don't do that. Okay. No, don't. That's so gross. On that note, okay, we're going to there. We have gone too far tonight. And we love you. Come back and listen to us another time. Don't be a dick. Drink some water. Take a nap. And don't join a cult. Bye. Hey, heathens, this is post-editing Lacey coming in for a little update. Um, I hope you guys have a happy holidays, but we wanted to let you know that we will not be releasing an episode next week in honor of Thanksgiving. We will be taking this time and this season to remember the indigenous people in America who were abused and robbed of their land. We are very grateful to be able to talk about these really hard things with all of you. If you want to know how you can support your local tribes, there will be a link in today's show notes for you to access that. Thank you, as always, for tuning in, and we hope you have a safe and enjoyable week. Week. We love you. And Christopher Columbus was a rapist and a murderer. Happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> Bye. Also, heathens, if you're enjoying the show so far, please remember to subscribe on whatever platform you listen to us on. And remember to bring your sacrifice to the blood ritual. Just kidding. A review will suffice. Deadly Faith is brought to you by Choircast Network. It's produced by Lacey Bean and Lola Robbins and audio engineered by Eric Cowell. Thanks for listening.